Well, hey, hi, howdy, hello there, friends. Welcome to the Raised by Whoops Fake Radio Show. It's Andrew here bringing you another episode. This one is with my pal, Brett Magdovitz. Now, I'm really enjoying doing the intros with my pal, Glenn. But today, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because I'm just going to let the guy that I'm going to be speaking with here soon, Mr. Brett Magdovitz, give you his resume. He uh, shared this with me when I was visiting with him in Boulder, Colorado a couple weeks ago. And it is by far one of my favorite. I don't know that I would otherwise have a favorite resume, but I do now, thanks to Brett. It was a pleasure seeing him. He's a good friend. He actually officiated my wedding. I've only been married once. That lady's Tiffany. She's great. And Brett put that together. He made it official. And uh, yeah, I love him. I think you'll like him too. Maybe you'll even love him. Why wouldn't you, huh? All right, I'm going to give you Brett Magdovitz, giving you Brett Magdovitz's professional resume. And then we're going to jump right into the episode, just like that. Hope you enjoy it. If not, let me know why you didn't. And go buy a book, will you? Uh, it's moronbook.com. Do you know I wrote a book? I feel like I've been telling every single person I know. I wrote a whole book, 300 pages. I've been told it's funny and sad and poignant and worth reading. How about that? More on book.com. All right, here's Brett Magdovitz. Until next time, adios. Brett Magdovitz, professional resume, entrepreneur, promoter, performer, adventure, facilitator, enthusiast. For the wins, W-I-N-S. Music for Aardvarks, Denver, Colorado. Rocking out with families, funky, silly melodies, exploring musicalities to nurture personalities. Bronuts, Boulder, Colorado. Built a sweet brand with my brother, gourmet baked donut balls. Mmm. Word to your mother. Kula Causes, Denver, Colorado. Four friends made a currency to exchange loyalty for philanthropy by converting miles and points into cash donations through partners like Kellogg's, Coca-Cola, and other large corporations. MC Properties, Memphis, Tennessee, and Denver, Colorado. Bought and managed real estate with my father. Built a great portfolio. Word to my father. Get Down Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Downtown Memphis wanted to showcase its businesses and happenings and needed a new face. The city hired us to reach a younger crowd. We gave them what they wanted and made the city proud, I think. Butler Street Bazaar, Memphis, Tennessee. Turned an old bottling plant on the Mississippi River into a food, farmers, art market, cultural center. Helped launch people's businesses and musical careers. Connected the community and supported my peers. And now for the wins, W-I-N-D-S. Medcorp, Bucharest, Romania. Went to work for a friend of my pop, a Romanian healthcare oligarch. I didn't know where to start or stop. Wasn't there long, gotten over my head. Learned a lot about myself. Lucky not to be dead. Colorado Marijuana Adventures, Denver, Colorado. Came out in the green rush and built a nice facility. Got squeezed out by the green flush and was served some cold humility. Helped build the first vape pen brand, which grew into ubiquity. Cashed out not quite as planned, but stayed true to my integrity. Cigarette Girl, LLC, Memphis, Tennessee. 
A maniacal all-tour underground filmmaker teamed up with a gregarious, amateur country singer, real estate mogul, man of God, and roped in a freewheeling, healing, dealing entrepreneur, me, to coalesce the vision. And we made a really cool, stylistic, dystopian feature film and original score that most people will never see or hear. Art Brew, Memphis, Tennessee. A run-down old brewery abandoned for years. Some ragtag young dreamers, companions for beers. A vision to build a sustainable community and artists live work play space to nurture creativity. And then over here on the side, we've got some cool footnotes. I once had a one-piece jumpsuit sponsor. I got body slammed eight times by Jerry Lawler. I rafted the Grand Canyon and rode lava naked. I once shaved my head for an obscure Halloween costume. I've produced and performed in more than 60 stage and film productions. And that is my professional resume. Oh, yeah. How about this one? What to do to die to date? A minute or two till two. A thing distinctly hard to say, yet harder still to do. And they'll beat the tattoo at a quarter to two with the rat And the dragon will come when it hears the drum at a minute or two till two. Today at a minute or two till two. One breath. Yeah. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. Old theater. That's really good. I've got the announcer's test I'm still working on. How does that work? <laughs> I've already blown it. Before one Failed. line. Yeah. Right. What is it? Oh, my God. One duck, two hens, three squawking geese, four limerick oysters, five corpulent porpoises, six pairs of Don Alverso's tweezers, 7,000 Macedonians in full battle array, eight brass monkeys from the ancient sacred crypts of Egypt, nine apathetic, sympathetic, diabetic old men on roller skates with a marked propensity towards procrastination and sloth, 10 lyrical, spherical, diabolical denizens of the deep who all stall around the corner of the quo of the quay of the quivery all at the same time. Wow. <laughs> You're supposed to be able to do it in one breath, but I blew it. Holy shit. What is that shit. called? The announcer's? The announcer's test. Yeah, it was like something back, uh, I don't know, like old school announcer's days. I and, but you're supposed that. to do like one hen, one hen, two ducks, one hen, two ducks, three squawking keys. One, and you In go, one fucking breath? No, 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 no. You work your way up through it. And the last one, you do the whole run. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's one of the things I learned in school. Oh, man. Yeah. School is paying off. It's the first thing I've If ever you come memorized. out with nothing else from school yeah, just, and you got that just down, that winning. It's the only thing I can remember. It's the first thing I've ever memorized. I don't know any poems. Like maybe songs, but none of them are that long. You, you know, it came up for me recently. Like, I feel like when I was younger, I used to have a whole library of jokes. Yeah. I know one joke. Little Johnny jokes. Were you a little Johnny There kid? were the little Johnny yeah. jokes and there, there were just countless jokes. Countless but, but at this point, like whenever anyone asked me to say a joke, it's like, I know one joke and that's it anymore. And? <laughs> oh, you want the joke? Yeah, I want the joke. <laughs> uh, it seems appropriate. So, uh there's a scientist. He's in his laboratory. He's sitting at his lab table. On the table is a frog, a journal, and a pen. He opens the book. He says, frog, jump. And the frog jumps. And he writes, day one, frog jumps. Stop me if you've heard this. Have you heard it? Or, I'm leaning into this talking. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, comes back on the second day. Cuts off the frog's front left leg. And says, frog, jump. It jumps. He writes, day two, frog jumps. Comes back on the third day, cuts off the frog's front right leg and says, frog, jump. And it jumps, lands on its head, but it jumps. Day three, frog jumps. Comes back on day four, cuts off the frog's back left leg. Says, frog, jump. It, you know, more flips over, but it jumps. It counts as a jump. And he writes, day four, 
frog jumps, comes back on day five, cuts off the frog's back right leg and says, frog, jump. Oh, that was for effect. That was, yeah, that was just great. shit falling down behind you as you tell this. <laughs> nothing happens. You know, it's got no legs. And he says, frog, jump. Nothing. Gets irate. Frog, jump. Nothing. He opens the book and writes, day five. Frogs with no legs are deaf. It's <laughs> <laughs> my only joke. That's the only one I can remember. That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> You've told all the joke. You know, what's funny is uh, I've told that to kids and parents have been like, you should not tell that joke to children. Really? Because it's like, too dark. Like, no, this is science. Yeah. This is educational. This is science is very important. It's very inclusive. Yeah, you're talking about cutting off frogs' legs. I'm like, that is part of life. That's how the frog people legs eat them. People fucking eat yeah, them. That's how it's made. I was raised on frog legs and hush puppies. Really? And I turned out fine. What was the uh <laughs> what was the uh there was an old like family restaurant that was like fisherman's wharf or the Hungry Fisherman. The Hungry Fisherman. The Hungry Fisherman. Man, I used to, I had my first frog legs there. My grade school inherited their uh, playland when they shut down. Remember yeah. they were they yeah. were built around a little lake? That's right. Like a lake, they're, they're, and you like, cross oh, like a bridge. A fucking spit puddle. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. like a, basically a cesspool that they had drained <laughs> all the floating turds out of. I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, and you cross over a little bridge. And, uh, but they had this really great playland with all these little tubes and shit. And it was like I vaguely it, it remember high that. tech playland stuff. Amazon package on its way here. Yeah, it's all right. Maybe we'll get her on the recording. Will you watch it? No. Okay. She does not look like she's having a very good time. No, it's a hot day. It's, it's a hot day. I wouldn't surprise me if that truck's air conditioning doesn't work anymore. It, I mean, no offense to this lady, but it looks like it might not be working. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, here she is. I'll hit pause. No, she just left it. <laughs> is it okay for me to do that during the podcast? Yeah, why not? Why not? not? Why not? Okay. I know one joke that I can kind of remember, oh, and it's not mine. It's Red Fox. Oh, well, it's got to be good. Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference between a pickpocket and a peeping Tom? <laughs> a pickpocket snatches watches. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that. <laughs> That's the only one I can remember. Oh, man, moment. that guy. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to do my best to uh, yeah. introduce you in the beginning of this thing. Uh, not now, obviously. Later. And if we... Uh, if it's not going well, I mean, you just don't use it. I guess. Yeah, we'll just throw it all away. Okay. But in the in the recent few days, I've told a few people what I'm doing. You know, people oh. that I work with, they're like, what are you doing? So, yeah, I'm going to Denver first and going to Boulder. I'm going to go hang out with my buddy, Brett. And who's Brett? Like, well, he's the guy who married us. And that's like the most <laughs> incomplete job description <laughs> of you possible. It's like, well, how Maybe do I not. Just... I mean, there's really not all that much else to report. Well, there's quite a bit. And, and like... In, in trying to encapsulate just what a dynamic and I'll say unique gentleman that you are. Oh, thank you. I, I'm like, he's the only person I know who's ever been sponsored by a jumpsuit company. Yeah. And he was the jumpsuit gentleman. I was. And uh, I don't know <laughs> that anyone else in, outside of Memphis would have a frame of reference for what that is. Can you tell people about the jumpsuit gentleman and what the premise was behind JG. It? Well, yeah. so yeah. So uh, I was, it was a character on a show that the city of Memphis had come to Chris Reyes uh, and Sarah Fleming. Memphis to, filmmaker, artist. Yeah, and he's alive from Memphis, just uh, a, a juggernaut of a human yeah. and a creative force of nature. Nice. And the city of, of Memphis, downtown, there was a name, the Downtown Commission, whatever it was, right, right. was wanting to attract um, 
younger people to come live downtown and participate in various cultural events and come to the restaurants and whatnot. They weren't looking for super young people, people in their thirties. And and somehow, I guess from Chris's life from Memphis, they found him and were like, we want to, we want y'all to do a show. We want to produce a show for y'all. And so we all kind of sat around and kind of spitballed and came up with the man. You were a man in the street guy, right? That was your bit. That's it. Yeah. So I, so uh, essentially, we came up with a very irreverent show, and my character was just a complete idiot. Yes. And he was a terrible listener, and he was so self-centered, but he was very excited to showcase what downtown had to offer. Yes. And then you know, he just he had a very short attention span yeah. and was just a moron, which is yes. appropriate. My favorite. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, and so, but the whole jumpsuit thing had actually started long before the show because I have a jumpsuit collection. I love jumpsuits. It started with my grandfather. That sentence alone. I have a jumpsuit collection. I should be more precise. I had a jumpsuit collection. Many had. of them were stolen years ago out of a storage locker um, under Julie's apartment building. So I had like, at one point I had like 40 some odd jumpsuits. No way. Uh, and so, but my grandfather, I think I had gotten maybe a dozen from him. Right. And then I had picked up some at estate sales and off of eBay. And then- Now describe I, the, the jumpsuit because it's, it's a leisure suit in one point in time, right? Yeah. What well, was some, of them, some of them were more for leisure. Some of them were more for work. Yeah. Uh, and some of them, it was hard to tell which- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which they were, I don't know how jumpsuits ever went out of style. I mean, it's, it's a onesie. But it's a very... It's so utilitarian. Very utilitarian. Because it's chock full of pockets. It's got pockets. A lot of them had really great belts, which yes. doesn't really speak to their uh, functional capability, but they sure look good. <laughs> but me, but the thing is... Let me tell you about the belt. You've seen the belt? <laughs> well... I got good belt. Did you ever see the one that I was in uh, with John Pickle where we were doing a Get Down episode? We went to... There was a salsa club down. That was down. the name of the, the show? Get Down? Get Down. For the Get Down Get Down. Get okay. Down, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and so like every show would feature... Uh, restaurants, some cultural events, right? And then John Pickle doing his—he was—he was multiple different characters, and he's nice. hysterical in yeah. every one of them. Yeah. He's the star for sure. Nice. But uh, so my jumps—you know—the only thing I'm ever wearing under them really is underwear and a t-shirt. If that, right? You know, which often. I mean, why would you <laughs> often know? But you could do anything in them. You sure. know, uh, you know, I was a massage therapist. I did plenty of massages in my jumpsuit. In a jumpsuit. And I dance all the time in jumpsuits. I've probably attended two thirds of my fish shows in jumpsuits. Uh, and if I don't do Kung Fu, but if I did Kung Fu, I could totally do it in a two jumpsuit. Two thirds of my fish shows. Another sentence that sets you apart from <laughs> everyone else I know. Two thirds of my fish. That's awesome. Uh, they're great. So I just, I'm a big fan of jumpsuits. Yeah. You know, especially if you're in a rush, you know, you've got like five minutes. <laughs> and who underwear. is it? I mean, it's a rushed world. Right. When you're putting on clothes, that's, that's where you shave time. Well, I'm just saying, you know, if I'm around the house, I might be wearing a pair of underwear, maybe a t-shirt, maybe not. And suddenly. And suddenly, zip up, out the door. I'm dressed and ready to go. It took me two minutes from right now to get out the door and to not be arrested for uh, indecent exposure. Or extremely decent exposure. You're welcome, neighbor. That's how I feel about it. Damn it, Janice. You know know how much people pay for this? Well, mm, mm, that was going to be another tangent. I'll take it. Where, no, where I was going to go is, so um, we started off with yes. the idea of JG jumpsuit because that's, <laughs> right. you know, and then uh, with not a whole lot of research, I found a domestic jumpsuit manufacturer. I think if anyone's listening and looking for a jumpsuit, I still want to endorse them. They're called the Sweet Company. The Sweet Company. The Sweet Company. I don't know if they're still around. Okay. But at that time, they were still making. I'm a believer. Jumpsuits. And so I got a hold of the owner. What's the price range? What are we looking at? 
The, for the jumpsuits? Yeah. They were 30 to 60 bucks. No way. Yeah. You can't get a whole outfit. They weren't all that stylish. The ones that I got from them were the single color ones. So right. the green, purple, red, blue. Right. Uh, they weren't they weren't like my um, my pinstripe seersucker from the 50s. Right. They don't do that sort of stuff. No, that's but I will say their jumpsuits were made in a way that they could be good for work or yeah. for leisure. And, and just off orange enough to not be prison and off shape enough you to know, not be prison. Funny that you mentioned that because I did get, <laughs> I forgot about this one. Oh, I got a, a hard count jumpsuit. So my family had the warehouse and walls. Yes. And walls once we had, once, yeah, once we had stopped manufacturing furniture, <laughs> we rented out a lot of the warehouse to various casino entities down the road. Yeah. And I think it was Fitzgerald's casino or one of them had stored stuff there. And at some point when they left, they left some boxes of stuff. And one of those boxes had these blue jumpsuits with no pockets. And those were the people who would count the money at the end of the day. Oh, no way. So it was, I was, and I asked about it. They're like, yeah, we call that a hard count jumpsuit and uh, no pockets, no nothing zips up real tight. You can't hide anything in it. Amazing. So I also got a jumpsuit or two from there. Nice. I always picture they made people count in the nude and that like how they make (laughs) From uh, New Jack City. Yeah, like you just, <laughs> a bunch of people sweating the titties. And, one and a two and a t- yeah. <laughs> Just sweating titties and drugs and money. I guess that's not how it works. All right. You know, it's fair to say that was, uh, a off, that was an often end of night celebration when climbing out of the jumpsuit for me. Yeah. Sweating titties? Sweating titties, baby. Sweating titties money. Me and the ladies, you know. Hey, you know, I rented a lot of titties, occasionally also women. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's accurate. Uh, It was Memphis. When I came back to Memphis in 2002, I Uh think it was. uh, And I had no intention to stay, but I happened to come back. I was there right. Fuck, I might have the the whole chronology wrong here. No but at some cares. point Dates I came back to Memphis yeah. and it was like a week before dead Elvis week. Oh yeah. And I got a wild hair up my ass. I was like, Holy shit. I'm going to go get an Elvis jumpsuit and I'm going to be Elvis that week. Yes. I scoured the town. I could not find, they were all rented. They were all I'm bought sure. Sure. until eventually, Oh my God, I can't maybe like way out hacks somewhere in the middle of nowhere. I found like a Halloween costume store and they had one piece of shit Elvis. Oh, it was like yeah. a mockery of the nice white jumpsuit with the gold and the red. And- the nudie suit. Do you know the history of the nudie suit? No. We'll talk about it in a second. Keep going. Sorry. Hear- they had one left. And so I was like, give me that. I'll rent it. So nice. I get it back home. I'm like, all right. And embarrassingly, I didn't know a single Elvis tune. I, I was just so excited. about. I was like, I gotta learn some Elvis tunes. Oh, yeah. So I put on the suit. I started learning as many as I could and practicing and. I remembered my buddy, Greg Howell, he lived around the corner. They had a really cool store. He and his partner at the time, Thomas, Greg was the archivist at Graceland for like 10 years. Oh, nice. I was like, nice. That's the guy to go talk to and try the shit out. So I call him, I go over there and um, he had a big crush on me. So he was more than happy to To help you watch you dance around. Well, check it out. So he, uh, I I sing several songs for him. The last one that I sung to him was, Oh, what's the one that Nick Cage sings in Wild at Heart? Uh, Treat me like a fool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love me. Love Love me. me. There it is. And I sing it. And he's like, Brett, you sound great. But if you want to nail that one, sing that like you're singing to your mama. Oh, Greg. That's good. That's good. So I did that. And I felt it. He was like, oh, my God. He goes downstairs and he comes back. He's like, when I left 
Graceland. Sorry, Greg, if I'm outing you here. He's like, when I left Graceland, you know, Elvis was planning on going tour on tour right before he died, and he had yeah. crates of those kerchiefs that he would wear around and wrap around the oh, ladies' no necks. Way. And uh, they all stayed there with the estate because yeah. they never made it on tour. He's like, but when I left, I snagged one. No way. And he drapes around my neck. Oh, He's like, come this on. is for you. Come on. Oh, that's beautiful. I still got it somewhere. Anyway. That's beautiful, man. It's good to talk to somebody who shares a little bit of Elvis history, man. Like, I was going to finish that story. I'm with you. Uh, I proceeded for that entire week to be hopped up on painkillers and muscle relaxers. <laughs> I won a contest. And the allure, this is the most mesmerizing part. Like, I was a guy who was not an Elvis impersonator. Yeah. Probably didn't sound all that great. Maybe looked a little bit like it. Yeah. Like the part. You got good chops, man. You got good. I had good chops. Yeah. And I, I, I watched his walk and I just really tried to embody him as much yeah. as I could. I got laid that week <laughs> so well, so often that Ugh. when I was about to take the jumpsuit back, I was like, oh, this thing is really stained up and down the legs, especially. So I, I, I <laughs> Hold on. And uh, I, I tried to get it all cleaned out and I did as good as I could. I took it to dry cleaners. And then when I tried to return it, they looked at it and they're like, we are not taking this back. You got to buy it. So oh I had to buy it. God. <laughs> and it turns out that Greg told me, I told him about that. And he said, it's funny because Elvis jumpsuits and museums and private collections around the world, it is widely reported that there are cum stains all along the pants because he was so alive and so turned on by the experience of performing that he would ejaculate in his jumpsuits as he was performing. While performing. While performing. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. That's feeling it. That's feeling it. <laughs> that's feeling it. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. Uh, that's what he told me. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, that's well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Elvis ejaculated. Uh, Elvis, when, when they said he left the building, it just means he already came. <laughs> like, I'm finished. Don't look at me in the eye. Please don't call. Uh, when he collapsed at the end of his shows, it wasn't just because he was <laughs> tired from performing. God. <laughs> it's kind of gross, but kind of cool. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's both. Yeah. It's definitely gross. But, I mean, what didn't? If I had yeah. one of them, man, I would never clean that thing and wear it. That's also gross. Yeah. But it's you. your prerogative. Osmosis, to, you know, baby. I yeah, just whatever. Absorb that into Yeah. I've <laughs> taken some of your power. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, when I say we share Elvis yeah. history, I guess it stops there. But... <laughs> <laughs> I love that place, man. I love, I, you know, I worked at Graceland as a teenager. Oh, I didn't know and that. Yeah. Yeah. The greatest compliment I ever got in my life was from Uncle Vester, uh, his his uncle. Yeah. Uh, he told me, because I, I'd worked there for a summer. Were you a tour guide? And, no, I was in the gift shop. And then I was like <laughs> the the uh, the stock room manager. It's a goofy made up job title. But uh, at the end of the summer, I was going back and he's like, Cause we would sit and talk on my breaks and he would, he had like a cookbook, a Presley speaks. It was like all these like country ass recipes and stuff. I think there might've been a roadkill recipe. I can't remember. <laughs> opossum. And, yeah. Opossum. And he was like, uh, well, Andrew, I hate like hell that you're leaving, but you know, if, if the King were still alive, you'd be driving a Cadillac for sure. <laughs> greatest thing anybody's ever said to me. That's good. By far the, the greatest opinion of who, what my worth is as, of a person <laughs> man you could take that to the grave that yeah is, yeah i probably will i mean it's not a cum stained set of trousers but it'll you know it's it's the promise of a cadillac had elvis been alive had or elvis at least alive. the potential yeah I it's mean, a nice thing to say it's that, a nice that, thing that, to that probably feels, said it to everybody it's, but i don't know about that <laughs> that's just how but as a kid man that must yeah. have had an impact as a 16 year old did you go home and tell people like you're not gonna believe what just no fucking one really happened gave a shit it, it was like it was a different time people i don't yeah. know like people care more now 
There was a bit of Elvis fatigue, especially in that part of the world. In that part of the world, yeah, people yeah. are over it. I and I would like I couldn't wait till Good Time Charlie has got the blues. You know, Good Time Charlie's got the blues. You know that song? I don't oh, know that one. It's great. It's real sad, real dour. It's awesome. Huh? Yeah. I don't know we'll that. look it up. I don't think he wrote it. He didn't uh, write any of them. I know. So that's all right, Mama. Yeah, right. that's about it. He didn't write oh, that he didn't one write either. That either. He especially that was an didn't old write spirit. that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Big Bill. Did yeah, he no. write anything? Yeah, he wrote a few, but yeah, not many. Not many. So I don't think any of the hits. Anyway, <laughs> so Elvis. Not. So that so the jumpsuit gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. Is was is was you. You still have a few jumpsuits. You still wear them from time to time? I still do. I wear them okay. to go to concerts and dance. Okay. Or all, I mean I wear them, they're part of my daily attire. So on a day that's not as hot as this one. Yeah. They're great to wear around for the aforementioned reasons. Not a great, so. not a great warm weather suit. No. 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 Some of the lighter ones. For you know, eighty low eighties were, right. were were delightful. My lightweight throwing jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're taking down small game. But the polyester did no, get it's not a great little for bit sticky and, and warm. Yeah, yeah we can. Did you see um, Elvis? You, did you see King of the Ring? King did of the I? Ring. Well, so the part of the thing that I wanted to talk to you about is like yeah. that that whole thing. Like, there's a most of the the rest of the country may not dial into unless they were fans of wrestling ah. is the huge influence that wrestling had on got like i wasn't a wrestling fan and i still like i remember so much of it from growing up in memphis because that was what was on after the cartoons in uh-huh. the morning and saturdays you know like wrestling was just a huge thing it, it had was. such an impact on our generation i think i was like, a rabid fan you were, yeah, I, oh, yeah. I don't doubt it because you're a maniac and like <laughs> if you look to your left right there you'll see that there's a the, book about the about the rest is it up there with Sputnik? Oh yeah, yeah, there it is. Sputnik, masked men and midgets, the early days of Memphis <laughs> wrestling. It was so huge. It was yeah. so huge, and it was such a crazy camp and intense form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And like, there was like a precedent for it to get like kind of harangued in the street by a guy being an idiot. Yeah, wasn't out of the realm of what people might expect to happen in Memphis. I think at that time, just because there was so much like body zany shit on TV, just. Uh-huh after cartoons and it's adults it's like full-grown men with muscles writhing in each other and acting crazy and saying amazing yeah. shit and, and as a kid you didn't know that this was you know these personas that these guys are taking on you didn't yeah. know that you know they're acting cut the cameras these guys are best friends drinking beers together yeah. you know yeah uh you thought these rivalries rivalries real. were real yeah and these men hated each other and when yes. they were in the ring they were going to tear each other's heads off yeah yeah it's awesome so good i was uh just a quick digression sure. once again. Um, I, I'm guessing you're an Andy Kaufman fan. Yeah. So you know about his whole thing with Lawler. Yes. Jerry Lawler. I was yeah. at the match at the Coliseum when Lawler finally got a hold of him. No way. And did the pile driver and he left in a stretcher with the neck brace. Yeah, yeah. I was there, man. Wow. And uh, how old were you? Guys, you had to have been really young. Maybe 10. Wow. That's cool. And I remember, man, there was this little old lady in front of us that like she was foaming at the mouth. She was... She hated Andy Kaufman so yeah, much. And she yeah. loved Jerry Lawler. And I remember that whole time. She was like, referee, you fucking referee, you nutty as a fruitcake. And she just kept shouting that all night long. Nutty as and a then, <laughs> then when Lawler got him, I mean, she was crying with joy oh. that she finally, that he finally yeah. captured the villain. Do you think how much, because you're kind of like a theater guy, right? Yeah. You like, love to act yeah. and, and yeah. like emote in that way. It's like very specifically. I think of as theater and yep. like um, how much of your influence was wrestling, like Saturday morning wrestling. 
That's a good question. I never thought of it. Um, I don't know. I've never considered the impact that that, that had on your life early years, right? but it must have. Cause it was so over the top, you know, like there was, there was no character who was outside of the, you know, everybody, it was all no holds barred was the phrase that I heard a lot, you know, like you could just do whatever, you know, that's as long as you weren't cursing on TV. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't say any swear words. words, words yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I, I've never considered uh, the impact that that may have had on my desire to not just my desire to perform, but also maybe some of the gregariousness that, uh, I've you know grown into over the years. Yeah, because you're you're not the wrestler; you're the host. Like you're the great MC to me. Like the 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 character that you often embody is this like you can see both sides. You can egg it on. You can make fun of it. You can take it serious. You know, you've got that kind of like MC sort of wit. Thank you. Yeah, I think yeah. that's true. And I mean, it's kind of funny what came up for me hearing you say that was like uh, just the irony that I've got the body of a 1930s boxer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah with, the, so, with like the really high trunks yeah absolutely yeah. with like kind of the belly sticking out the big barrel chest that's yeah, me yeah. That's, you know? yeah 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 i can picture uh, that but yeah i i am i am that guy that yeah sees both sides and yeah. likes being in the middle of it all mm-hmm. and both um being the calm in the storm and creating the storm itself and and to like you're the kind of to me i've never seen you perform but i've hung out with you enough to where like you're like, a, there's not a lot of people who do this. They're a big personality that wants other personalities to shine. You don't Thank want you. the entire spotlight just on you. Mm-mm. Your moment in the spotlight is to highlight this hilarious thing and that great thing. Mm. And here it is. You know, here's this thing presented. You're not presenting Brett. It's Brett presenting this thing, Man. which I think is a unique type of um, performer, you know, because mm. it's often not that it's. The sort of shit that I do. I'm like writing stories about myself. Like, oh my God, please value me because I can say something funny or whatever. You know, like, yeah, it's that type of thing. I, I feel like yours comes from a different place. Do you feel any of that, or have you ever thought about it? Yeah, thanks for seeing me in that. that I think that's um, that's accurate. Yeah, and I also really like being the performer. Sure, of um, course. But maybe because I grew up in a large family, or mm-hmm. just because of how I'm wired. But. Um, I enjoy and embrace the spotlight sometimes for periods of time, but the spotlight is better shared for me. Yeah. You know, like I love being part of an ensemble Mm -hmm. when I was in theater. um, You know, the handful of times musically that I've actually in my life where I've played live Mm -hmm. um, while I feel more comfortable with other people playing with me than just me and a guitar and a mic. Yeah. You know, that's very vulnerable, of course. Um, But yeah, I really... Thank you. Well, no, no, I, I, I don't mean to um, be complimentary of you because I think you're basically an asshole, rot, rotten asshole. But in that one very specific, singular, narrow band way, you're kind of great. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just so grateful that you saying that has been recorded for all of time. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll erase this part. Damn it! But uh, I, I do think, like, <laughs> as far as performance is concerned, because uh, like, that's I love playing music, right? Yeah. And I, I, I had a hard time in bands because like didn't know how to do it. It wasn't that I wanted all the spotlight because I don't have the talent, but I love the, um, that's debatable. I love the, the music part of it. And I didn't know, I didn't know the rules. You know what I mean? I don't really know the rules of music I don't either. And it's, it's tough to, and like, even with this, I, I, I don't know, like my introductions to people, like I really want to showcase how great someone else is, but for me to describe it, 
like I'm terrible. Like I'm absolutely terrible. I has to be in this moment where I find the thing that I like, but for, to go back later and hype that person, uh-huh. it's just like, whoa, why did I talk back? I wasn't good at, uh, what am I, you know, it has to be in the moment. a waste moment. of an hour. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? What, how do I describe this person? So like you, the thing that you often bring to a thing is that, you know, you know, what makes a thing worth checking out, you know, and you have a way of like spotlighting that in a way that's very entertaining. I just remember like, for instance, riding around in the car with your daughter when she was really young mm-hmm. and like, you know, she's very excited to share those songs with us that she was singing <laughs> yeah. that she learned at school and the energy that you fed into her performance of that uh, was like so cool to me. I just remember thinking like, what an encouraging, fun thing to have in your life is like your dad's singing the song along with you and like propping you up you know, as the performer of the song, but performing it with you and giving it everything, you know, you were like, you were in it with her, but like she was the star. It was, it was cool, man. It's a cool thing. Yeah. And with her specifically, I mean, that's, that's such a back and forth. Like we're kind of like battery packs for each other. Uh Um, And it continues to go in that way as she explores music and just becomes just a more. How old is she? Like nine? She'll be eight in two weeks. Wow. Not even two weeks. No. That's awesome. It's wild. Yeah. It's so wild. Amazing. And she she's so musical and so creative. Mm-hmm. And um man, of of all people, like that's of course yeah, that's such a, an incredible joy. Yeah, I can imagine to to do that with her. I'm and, glad and, somebody and, she, and she's inspired so much within me, not just on like a surface level, but like especially when I was going to UCD and mm-hmm. I was taking the music song, school. Yeah, 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 down in Denver. Um you know, taking songwriting classes. Uh, I've got some stuff I'll share with you later. That nice. Either she inspired to such a large degree that like she should have a writing credit or I used her exact words. <laughs> one of them that comes to mind right now is vibernation. Vibernation. Well, I was giving her a bath one day and she started asking me about vibernation. And I'm like, what is vibernation? And she just told me. And it, as it came out of her mouth, I was like, holy shit. And I went and got something. I started writing it down. And the words that are in the song are verbatim what she told me. Oh, no way. And it's incredible. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. If it wasn't wrestling, yeah, what did inspire you to want to be kind of like a perform performer type of guy? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're not – I say this. and I mean, I know you're not doing theater and stuff at the moment. But, like, you've got a history of that. Theater and film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what? where's that coming from? Other than being that one kid in the family of, was is that it? <laughs> like it's just I'm in a big family and I needed. Well, a, a yeah. Toehold. So I mean, you're making me think. Uh, as I think about it, yeah, I'm, I'm sure all the wrestling had an impact. I think some of it. So uh, you know, I was a short, fat Jewish kid in the South going to Christian schools. Yeah, I did not exactly have friends. People. Whether it was, you know, kids whose parents were anti-Semitic and therefore they taught these kids to right. treat me as lesser. Yeah. Um, or just because I was the fat kid and no one wants to hang out with the fat kid. Mm-hmm. And so through humor, um, that was how I got friends. That was yeah. how I managed to create some tor- sort of gravitational pull to me to let people let me for people to let me be a part of their experience. Right. And I would make people laugh. And I was, you know, I was a class clown. And I was constantly getting in trouble. Yeah. Constantly. And, uh, but it was worth it to me. Yeah. 
I had friends. I didn't give a fuck what the authority <laughs> teachers and the principal said to me. I have got friends. Yeah, I've got somewhere to go Saturday. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm going to tell them all about this and make them laugh. Um, so I think through yeah. humor, yeah, I developed personality and personalities. Right. And I'm guessing that probably was a, a, a significant part of me um, growing into something larger than this shrunken fat boy, which is kind of a funny thing to say together. Well... <laughs> Yeah, the jumbo shrimp of, of comparisons. <laughs> yeah. the, you know, you and I were talking earlier about like um, shit that dichotomous things that barely, like, yeah. barely relate to one another. Like, yeah. and and being like, you know, finding humor as the way in, or finding, um, I don't know, a, a place to be for yourself, mm-hmm. right? And taking your pain and making it funny. Right. Remember earlier we were talking about how like, I think one of the things that the human animal most certainly does that none of the other animals in the kingdom do right. is that they find something useful or funny or beautiful in pain. Right. That's like most of art is longing or disappointment or just, you know, the Some fat, the, the fat joke, like the fat guy falls down, makes fun of himself. Right. And you know, that whole thing, like that's such an interesting part of our, our species that we do that, that we turn pain into art and, and we turn pain into friends for God's sake. It's incredible. You're yeah. It's, it's um, I, and I think maybe just kind of along those lines, even uh, on a different level, you know, maybe that's uh, what makes humans different than all other species is our ability to transcend some of our wiring. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, for through, sure. Through our through our minds, essentially. Yeah, to say no to the impulse. That's it. You yeah. know, I'm gonna or ri- yes rise to- above this desire, or I'm right. going to, even <laughs> though I'm, you know, so fearful of X, I'll I'm going again. to choose to do this anyways and yeah. grow from that, and then then we get to the experience of making pain into something beautiful. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, just I mean, the donut is a very good example of us. Like wrestling with our base impulses because sugar and fat and sweet, like our brains just want it, want it, want it. But our brains know, hey, that's not great for you, man. Don't eat 12 of them, but we can do it. We can say no to our impulses and we can say yes to impulses that we know are destructive. But your choice of donuts, you know, speaking to me is, you know, particularly good uh, because my brother and I, obviously tongue in cheek, but I don't know if it'd be more tongue in cheek. But we just had this conversation actually with a guy recently uh, who we were trying to sell our donuts to. Could you reference? Bro-nuts. Yeah, Bro-nuts. My brother and I, yeah, Mitch and I had uh, a donut company out here in Boulder called Bronuts. Bronuts. Did you ever see either of the videos? Yes, and I have a hat. Oh, you do? I still have a Bronuts hat. Oh, awesome. I need yeah. to get you a shirt. Nice. Uh, but we would, we would say, you know, uh, sure, donuts aren't healthy for your physical health, but what about your emotional health? Right. Donuts bring you joy. Donuts make you happy. What's that worth? <laughs> Right. Right. So I'm not advocating, you know, for eating a dozen by yourself. But right. But a dozen holes. It's just the. Yeah. When you're there's the donuts and then there's the holes. And we had balls because they were a little right. bigger and uh, filled with things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, put them in people's mouths and that made for good jokes. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, we would we would often remind people yeah. that, OK, I get it. You all. You know, we all have guilty pleasures. Yeah. Why not? Why not fried dough? Why not laugh at sugar? It? Yeah. That's the whole thing. It was predicated on kind of a pun. <laughs> the whole company, you know, like was predicated on having laugh. 
That's it. Even you're in to, to selling people food is, is through laughing. Well, in, even more specifically for me, because Mitch is a bit of a donut connoisseur. He's obsessive about donuts. Really? Well, starting with Gibson's. You know, we grew up on Gibson's. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, props to Gibson's. And so he'd been wanting to do a donut shop forever. Yeah. yeah. And he'd been trying to rope me in for the longest time. And uh, I said, like, no, him. I did not want to fucking make donuts, man. You're serving them tomorrow. Right? Are you? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Tube to work day. Uh, where are they being made? Uh, we're going to go down to Lamar's in, in Broomfield and get them there. Nice. Oh, someone else makes There them. are no good donuts in Boulder. Oh, there are none. Nope. There's a Dunkin' Donuts. You hear donuts. that donut shops out here? There, there's Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, that's the only actual donut shop in this town. And really? it's garbage. Oh, yeah. That's right, Dunkin'. I'm taking you head on. Yeah. Y'all make terrible donuts and your coffee's even worse. Some people really like Dunkin' Donuts coffee. That might be the I don't get only it. Let me tell you something. I've tried four times in the last like four or five months. Molly can attest to it. Really? I've tried to like it. Their donuts were dry and chalky and bland in taste. And their coffee was even worse. It was, I don't even know if it was coffee. Hot brown water. <laughs> Props to Ted Lasso on that. Bean, so, bean flavored. <laughs> they were ter- it was terrible. It wow. was, I didn't finish either. Not the coffee, not the donuts. They all wow. went in the trash. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, Take, oh, so anyways, take that so, Dunkin' Donuts and take that right. starving children. Oh. I threw donuts in the garbage. Well, they throw away a lot more, so I don't feel too bad. <laughs> but so uh, when I came back from Romania, uh, I was wondering, I was like, what the fuck? I was living there for a little while. And, uh, this is years, years ago. This is 2012, 13. Okay. So yeah. And I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. And Mitch has this whole thing planned out where he's simplified us thing of financials and took me out for a steak and some drinks. He really, he turned it on. Mitch is your brother. Mitch is my brother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And one of my best friends. Mm, That's uh, awesome. Anyways. So he got me a little liquored up and then brought up doing a donut company together again. I was like, Mitch, I'm really not interested. I see what you're doing here, but we started having some fun with it. And he was like, cause he knows that I love marketing and branding and I've got a creative brain. And uh, at some point as we're kind of, he had like Mr. Max Donut Shack because that was our granddad. We were coming yeah, up. Yeah. He was like, let's just play around with names. And at some point, he says, Brothers Donuts. And I said, Bronuts. And the minute that came out of my mouth, I'm doing it. I was in. Yeah, yeah. It was that stupid and simple. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that's a great brand. I get to make that joke as many times as I want. <laughs> that's right. And then we were going to just do regular donuts. And then uh, over the course of time, it. Right. I want to put my balls in your mouth. I want to put, that was our tag. I have some balls and we would put our balls in people's mouths and, (laughs) and people loved it. They thanked us for it. Even the people that thought that was gross would make their own jokes before the end of the conversation. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's an interesting thing, man, to take, to take humor and how important a thing that can be in a life. Like, I mean, I know, you know, people who just don't find shit funny. I do. Ever. Like, it's just not, there's nothing worth joking about. Things are not funny. It's very serious. And I, look, I get, man, some people have really, really hard lives. I was going to say, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of trauma out there. But, you know, the funniest culture, in my opinion, on the planet is the Jewish community. (laughs) And if you want to talk about trauma, as a whole, yeah, yeah, just pound for pound, (laughs) you know, like, I love, I love Richard Pryor. I love uh, George Carlin. uh, But, you know. Dave Chappelle. I love Dave He's Chappelle. He's up there with them. He's up there with them. Yeah. But like if you take, you know, just the the bulk of comedy writing that's been done, it has like entertained me most of my life. 
That's the Jewish community. There are a lot That's of a fucking funny Jews, man. Very dramatized group of people. That's an excellent point. Like, you know, uh, yeah. I'm no historian, but I would guess point- it with that beard. Yeah. <laughs> got a beard for history <laughs> tell me face you, for radio and a beard for history yeah that's God, a bumper sticker that's a bumper sticker <laughs> that's a very yeah put that on your podcast do bumper sticker podcast. but that that idea that like what's the thing the no mud no lotus you know the 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 the, the yeah. hardship makes the funny you know oh, like yeah. it made you i mean you were trying to find your spot in the world mm-hmm. and uh you wound up with a cum stain you know, yeah. you found your spot. Yeah. And tied. If only it wasn't in my mouth. Wow. Yeah. There you go. You just went right there. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. If you open the door, I have to walk through. You just did. You just did. It's you went like right, right there. I, uh, now I don't even know what to say. <laughs> For any listeners who what are What was I talking about? That. I was trying to make some philosophical yeah, point about, about funny. Stain in his mouth. Yeah. And I, then I turned it off. <laughs> I did. I did say cum stain. And I regret it immediately. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. No. Okay. So we're, we've gone through some of your life, your early influences, uh, unconscious wrestling, um, influences, uh-huh. not that you were wrestling unconsciously, but you may have been wrestling with something unconscious. I was wrestling, uh, with rejection Yeah. and, um, ostracization, ostracization. Is that what's the proper Sure. being ostracized and not being a part of anything? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Nicely done. Thank you. Way to turn around. Uh, and, and also just, um, I guess, uh, extending that a little bit because I was uh, feeling so, I guess, rejected, despondent, and uh, even bullied yeah. oftentimes. Actual physical bullying. Actual physical yeah. bullying. When I would get home, I didn't know what to do with all that. Yeah. And I had younger siblings and I would take it out on them. And I was. Were you a rage monster? Were you a dick? Or were you. I was a dick. I don't know if I'd say I was a rage monster, um, but you- I. I I mean, I, I emotionally and even physically hurt them sometimes. Mm, yeah. Which um, I think I've reconciled all that. Maybe that's why my older sister hates me and she doesn't even know. Maybe I did something to her. I don't remember it, but it's possible. I'll bring it up. Yeah. If we ever talk. Yeah. Well, look, man, I think that's a beautiful thing to, to examine that, you know, yeah. that you can see that and that, I don't know, that you've, you've taken the time and you've done a lot of personal exploration through what, psychedelics and just from being an observant dude and meeting people. I think you do kind of the same thing that I do. You, uh, you sort of look at people almost like a mirror or like a, you're looking, I'm looking for blind spots in my always, own self. Always. I'm trying to, cause you can't see, it's the nature of blind spot. You can't yeah. see it, but you can kind of catch a reflection of it in someone else's mirror. You know what yeah. I mean? And I feel like you're, you kind of do that. You can see someone else behaving in a way. And rather than just like judging them for being whatever, you're like, oh my God, do I do, should I do something like that? You know? That's been coming up for me actually a lot recently when I found myself frustrated by someone else's behavior. Yeah. I'm grateful for it, that I've, I'm finally at this point where like in the moment I can be like, oh, why am I reacting that way to right. this person? Is that something that I do? Yeah. Is that some part of myself that I've disowned and I, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and I, I'm seeing it in them and I don't like it? And it's reflecting back to me some part of me that yes. I don't like and I'm yeah. really uncomfortable? Yeah. And that's, I think, such a big part of my continued work, which I suspect will last my lifetime, well, yeah, is a, not just to be able to um, reflect back on something after the fact, but to actually be able to do that Adjust in the moment. In the moment. In the, yes. so hard. Yeah, yeah. No, it's way hard, man. Yeah. For me, it's anger. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm always, I try to be, I don't try to be nice. I would just, I think I am like a naturally agreeable sort. 
but I, I have this like weird little point in me that's uncommunicated and no one knows where it is. And like, I suddenly get pissed <laughs> off and I'm just angry and I've, I've seen it enough in myself. Like I'm aware of it, but I don't quite know how to st- prevent it from happening. Mm. Like, I don't know what I'm not communicating to not end up there. Yeah. You know, it's that what's the, the, uh, the birth parent of disappointment is the uncommunicated expectation. Mm, I like that, that. You know, I made it up. Did you and just that, now? To, well, not just now, but I've said it before. Oh, and it, but it's a thing that I've like thought about like, okay, I'm, why am I so disappointed? It's like, Oh, because I didn't explain what I expected of the situation. Cause I, you know, I don't feel put upon or victimized, but I do feel like I'm very, I try to be really aware yeah. of where, how I'm impacting a situation. And then like, if I feel like someone's not meeting me there, I get butt hurt and I'm like, I can't, you know, and it's so unfair to anyone, yeah. anyone ever. Well, I know? think that at least partially also speaks to having clear boundaries. Yeah, I don't have them. I'm not great. I've, at it. It's, I think I've gotten a lot better. And I'm sure I still have plenty of ways to go, but uh, you've, have you ever heard Brene Brown's whole talk about boundaries and you know, if you, I don't know if you know who she is. She's wonderful. Um, but just the idea that when is we, she the lady who wrote that letter that you tell me about every time we talk, <laughs> Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Agnes okay. Miller. <laughs> that's a different person. Different person. It's a great fucking letter. Okay. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> well, should, we, should we talk about it now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no, no. so Brene yeah. Brown, uh, yeah. who's, just a smart, wise, cool human. She's an author. I think she's had a Ted talk mm. where she talks about the gold uh, standard of whether you got brains in your skull. Right. And I clearly yeah. don't and likely never will. I don't even know a person named Ted. Yes. But do you know anyone? The moniker of X? No. Oh, yeah. I don't know shit. I'll introduce y'all. Okay. <laughs> Why? Pretty um, good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Brene. It's a deep cut. It took, it took me a second. Like, oh. oh, okay. We might have to listen to that two times to get that. One. <laughs> if you didn't get it, don't feel pressure yeah, to rewind. We didn't either. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Brene Brown. Uh, she just talks about boundaries and yeah. how um, I'm distilling and paraphrasing. So sorry, Brene, if I'm. Uh, she is inc- a listener. Inc- so. Incorrectly representing your work. Yeah. But uh, just the idea that when we have good, clear boundaries that are upheld respectfully, compassionately, but strongly held, that it actually broadens our capacity to love and to be present and to give. Yeah. Right. Because if we have porous boundaries and we end up allowing ourselves to go past certain points or allowing other people to go past certain points with us, that resentment or those, that the anger, all these different things start to arise and become kind of these monsters. No, totally. But But if we, if, and, and so I've gotten better. Right. It, it just drawing those lines respectfully, lovingly. And, and then I don't, I'm not carrying with me any type of tension around things. Resent- people, yeah. Yeah. And therefore I can be more available to them in some other way. I feel like I do this a lot in, um, and I don't mean to make this about me, but I just, make it about uh, but, you. I mean, everything else is everything else. is <laughs> <laughs> The whole, the whole idea of like, um, just letting things happen. Like I, I never learned proper music theory. I learned some chords and some shapes, yep. but I don't know theory. Cause I feel like the more I learn about playing my instrument, the less mysterious it is and oh, that yeah. it takes something from me. Right. So oh, the yeah. more I think about psychologically hmm. how to behave on the front end, like front loading my behavior with these rules and ideals fucks with me in some way. Cause I just like, 
I just want things to unfold naturally. Like our think, you know, our evolutionary history did not contain any of this jargon or any of this vocabulary for how to be, you just were in a community and you're, I don't even actually know how it worked. I mean, there are many anthropologists who could tell you, yeah, that things right. were set up by, you know, dominance hierarchies and sects and blah, blah, whatever. Right. I don't know how the fuck it works. I just want to be friends with everybody. And I want everybody to like me. And the second that you're mean <laughs> to me, I'm like, fuck you. Oh God. And I lose my God, you know, <laughs> like that. I just, well, not like that. I have like a weird, like I said, a, a, a unseen trigger that suddenly I've like had it and I can't hold it back anymore. And I, I get mad. And, and, and when you get mad, uh, does that, I, is that, is that followed by like a, a, a verbal assault? Uh, sometimes or, or are you more of a, are you a fighter or a free, I'm a freeze. I fr sometimes I'll lash out and I'll yeah. say like a hurtful thing. You know, not necessarily like, mm. like put someone down, but I like, I just, I have this vitriolic way of expressing it. And uh -huh. then I just shut off. Like, I don't want to talk to you ever again. You know, like yeah. I'm just yeah. such a child, such a child. So like in my, you know, I, like I said, I don't want to front load my my interactions with people with all these things that I want to think about. Because I don't do that with music. I don't do it with art. Right. And I feel like interpersonal communication is like a, it is an art. It mm. is like this beautiful thing that we can do that you cannot, you and I talked today about ifs. What was right. it? The unborn if, the unborn, unborn if. future ifs. Like, Which is, you know, what this is. Yeah. We're, we're speaking to the ears of future people. The not present. And it's such a crazy thing that two people can sit down and come up with that shit and right. from, Hey, welcome to Denver. Right. Let's go get some omelets. Not necessarily Denver. And in between we'll talk of the unborn ifs. Yeah. Like that, that if, if I had some sort of boundary or like, well, I don't know, I don't like to talk about the future, you know, like, you know, or if I just had like, I don't know where my boundary would come in on that. You know what I mean? Like all that type of pre think about where I'm sure it's valuable. And I know there's a way to do it. That's smart, but I don't know how to do it. Well, but yeah, but in the conversation of boundaries, I'm talking, you know, I'm not suggesting boundaries around conversation. Sure. Of course. Uh, uh, converse, um, have you ever done like improv? I haven't. The yes. And idea that you're, you're just going. Yeah. Well, but you know, the, just, just in the idea, I'm relating this to conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, just the idea that, um, you know, being in my limited experience of improv, but also observing a lot, not as a participant, it's really great improv is where all the different people mm -hmm. are so present mm -hmm. and so generous in um, wanting to provide the others there mm -hmm. um, with opportunities, with with things to jump in on with or to jump off of or to jump off. Of. Yes. Yeah. And so I find, especially with, you know, with you and I, and yeah, probably a lot of your the people close to you and same for me that, um, you know, that that's the dynamic of conversation is right. that it's just so free and roaming. Right. And, um, and, but at some point you're going to be interacting on, on a level that isn't just necessarily conversational. It's like, Oh, we got to build this thing or we got to make this do these things together. Yeah. And that's, so I, I've run into this free flowing conversational type of mode and I forget to like shift into some other thing. I just stay in that gear. And it's the same though with improv. It's, yeah. it's the same. I'm trying to remember there's certain filmmakers mm -hmm. who, um, you know, they give the bones right? Like, or, or with improv or other things where it's like, here's the setting. Mm -hmm. This is the setup. Here are some things we want to get to. Right. Here's the end game. Please land. Which here. is which is fluid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And somewhere in there, try, try to direct yourselves to hit you know some of the points. 
yeah. and get somewhere close to our preconceived end. Yeah. Be your character. Yeah. You know, but be you know. in the character. Yeah. You know? And so in life, it's wild. Uh, you know, it's, you know, uh, right. Being present, being present is something. And we were talking about this as well on the ride that, you know, yeah. future being fantasy. Yeah. And past really, uh, you know, telling us a little bit about where we've been. <laughs> yeah. But, but just my, my place now being like, I'm really totally, I'm very anchored in the present. I'm, so I'm trying to learn voice acting. Yeah. Which is definitely acting. You know, yeah. no matter what it is that you're doing, yeah. you're trying to, you know, uh, who are you talking to? Who are you? You know, what are you selling? Who buys it? What all that type of stuff. If you're doing a commercial ad yeah. or whatever. And the the instructor was telling me this phrase that she uses, and I think maybe a lot of people use is that voice follows choice. And you're making choices. You're making decisions based on the things that you know in context with whatever thing you're trying to portray. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like such a foreign thing because I just, I'm an impulse monster. I just eat and drink and blah. Like, you know, it's just, I don't really <laughs> think it through before I analyze it a lot after, yeah. which maybe informs my next interaction, but just barely, you know, it's this incremental, like <laughs> just like the thing slowly morphing into the shape of a square that it's going to burst. You know, I, I, I don't know necessarily how to, um, how to be and how to integrate being present, but also having a boundary where you're not going to have this uncommunicated expectation. You know, Andrew, what it reminds me of, there's this really great letter that was written by Martha Graham to this woman, <laughs> Agnes DeMille. I don't know if you've ever heard it, where she talks about being an artist and keeping the channel open. Yahtzee. So I just want to, I just want to say, I want to say to the listener, Brett and I have probably two conversations a year on the phone. Maybe more, maybe maybe, yeah, maybe three. Sometimes fewer. Like I think we went for a bunch of years where we didn't talk. In fact, after I married you and Tiffany, we didn't speak for like eight yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, for no reason in particular. No, just, things were great. Things were great. Love you, love you, I love yeah. you the whole time. But that uh, I just finally this year, like maybe a few months it. ago, was it was like, just a few months ago. Yeah, but I think I did it in a loving way. I was like, well, it sat with me. I've told other people about it. I was like, wow, I think I bore the fuck out of my friend Andrew. No, 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 no. That's not, I, was, I was like, because he not just told me we have the same conversation over and over again. I was no, like, am I, I it, that predictable? And I find it fascinating because like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you've brought up that letter to me always, almost at the same point. <laughs> it's always towards the end of our yeah, conversation because we, we find our way here. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. talking about our struggles and finding yeah. the silver lining right, and right. trying to make sense of it all. And then, it's so amazing but this is the first time i've ever brought it up to you i I almost regret it but i think it's so Mm -hmm. funny i don't it's not boring to me in any way shape or form i just find it like kind of tremendously amusing that we do end up there and like it made when i finally noticed that that was happening i was like oh this sounds familiar wait we have a we have a format (laughs) we kind of like you know what i mean we're hitting certain uh, notes. That, we've hit phase four. Yeah, like here we go. Here we go. This so is this, the arc. Oh, the, I guess we've got 10 minutes left. Yeah, we just went around the turn. Okay. <laughs> and now we're working our this way. This is the home stretch of our yeah, conversation. Yeah, the third act is coming up. Yeah, we've we've been silly. We've been serious. We're coming to a nice, yeah. pleasant place to say goodbye. Talked about music. Talked about some dirty stories. Yeah. Speaking of music, I know that's a, a, a big part of your life. It is. Um, and you recently went back to school uh, for music. And it, yeah, you write songs, you uh, and you do something that um, 
I don't think I know anybody else who does this. Maybe, maybe I've met a couple, but you uh, perform and write songs for children. Yeah. Which yeah. is. You do. You probably know. Uh, do you know Joe Murphy in Memphis? Uh-uh. Oh, then you don't. <laughs> you don't know shit. He, you don't uh, know Joe? You don't know. <laughs> that's right. Uh, no, you're thinking of Jack. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank shit. you. Uh, I was the head of a program out here called uh, Rocky Mountain Aardvarks, which is a license from a program from a guy in New York, David Weinstone, who created music for Aardvarks and then mm-hmm. licenses it in different places. And uh, so, yeah, I was doing that um, out here for a while, and I only bring that up specifically because Joe Murphy in Memphis has been doing the music for Aardvarks Memphis for almost since it began. He's friends with oh, David wow. who created it. I oh, think maybe cool. they went to school together. I'm not sure the whole yeah. connection, but they're good friends. Anyways, he's been doing it there for probably 20 years. Yeah. So what do you started doing that before Mabel, before you had your daughter or after? Cause I, I, I since I've known you, I knew you originally almost the reason you and I met is I was uh, looking for property to rent to put a shop in. Oh, is this Deep Fried Rides? I had a, I had a yeah. company called Deep Fried Rides, and yeah. I was looking for a place to, to make- Is that uh, when we met? Diesel engines run on cooking oil, and somebody's like, oh, you should talk to Brett Magdovitz. He's got some properties downtown. So you and I, you showed me a few properties, and I didn't end up renting from you because I just fundamentally disliked you. But, I get that uh, a lot, yeah. <laughs> no. Was but, that when I was doing the Butler Street Bazaar? Yeah, okay. yeah. So okay. then you invited me out to that, and like, yeah. you know, I heard you play music, and uh, I just kind of had this like, like a background level of respect for you as like a guy who was like doing business, but also had a very creative, because yeah, oh. you were doing legitimate actual, you know, property management and stuff and running things and had the It's bizarre. arguable that I was a legitimate business person. I but, think anybody that, that <laughs> was could, around were, during that time would, would argue. Would argue that you were maybe not, but you were at least, you were attempting to con- conduct business <laughs> while pharmaceutically, uh, Enhanced. Enhanced. Yes. Yes. And yes. But also doing lots of creative shit. Like you were boosting up musicians. I feel like you had a comp. Was there a comedy night or something? I, there, or, I had all sorts of nights. Yeah. And then I had uh, art shows there. Right. Once every couple months. And then I had some bigger events. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was also doing the brewery project. Right. Yeah. Which I, I just thought was cool because I, I was doing a, a an environmentally focused thing. And it was all, I couldn't make it funny enough to me it was never fun or funny enough now, we did some goofy shit like i would cook i would cook people a catfish dinner uh-huh. and then put reuse it. that grease and put it in their car when they drove away uh and most of my clients were from out of town so they would come into memphis on a friday drop off their car and my my guys and i would work on it through the weekend and give it back to them on like sunday and uh you know so it was like kind of fun and kind of funny a little bit campy but i don't what, know if you remember but i was so inspired by you that I went out and bought an old diesel Mercedes wagon. It was towards the tail end of what y'all were doing. Uh-huh. And I can't remember exactly why you said you wouldn't be able to do my conversion mm-hmm. for a little bit. And I had it and I loved it. It was yellow. It was yeah, the same color yeah. of my Gibson SG. And, nice. Uh, and then I was like, wait a second. I don't know shit about working on cars at all. Yeah. And I just bought an old Mercedes. Yeah. This is going to get very expensive very yeah. fast. Yeah. And I don't think I had that thing for more than like two months. I was like, I need I to get, get out of this. this. Yeah, I need to get out of this. No, even if it's running on veggie oil, like uh, it's yeah. gonna, I, I'm just I, not in a position to have this vehicle. I learned real early on. I'm not a salesman. I've talked more <laughs> people out of things than I've ever talked people into things. That was always my job. I did consulting for a while and my job, I saw it, it was to talk people out of starting restaurants. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Like if I can't, if I can't dissuade you from it, then you should do it. Then you deserve to Because I know everything. all the reasons why you shouldn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can paint you a picture of, I would never try to encourage anyone yeah. to do it. If and everything I'm about to tell you doesn't keep you from doing that, then you're, you yeah. deserve to ruin your life. If, if you, my two things was like, <laughs> if you can hear all this, all the things that I'll tell you over the next week and also be willing to, if, cause a lot of people who've never worked in restaurants will go try to start one. Yeah. Like you need to go to, let's just say you want to start a pizzeria and tell them, I want to stodge. I want to work for free for a week here doing whatever job you'll let me do. If you're not willing to do that, you should not start a restaurant if you've never worked in one. That's good advice. And I've, I've prevented some, probably a lot of losses. I don't know what we're talking about. Oh yeah. Because you made business fun. You made, it was fun. You combined really creativity it. and business. So that made me really like kind of have a respect for you. That's obviously not deserved, but it rarely is. For yeah. Me, but know. I had it at the time. And yeah. then I became, then I got to then know you. Then you got to know me. You're like, oh my God, like, that what? was misplaced. Yeah, I don't respect him. I just like him. It's yeah. way easier. Which says a lot about you. Yeah, a lot. I mean, <laughs> boy, howdy. Here we are. Yeah, here we are in your kitchen. <laughs> but that um, the idea of you being creative and thinking in creative terms with your business projects always, you know, it's always got some sort of creative, or not, maybe not always, but mostly a creative bent. And then when you turn that toward entertaining children, very it's very dynamic of you. It's a it's a wobbly line to toe. Well, look, man, you know this is not a podcast for children. No one that would lift their this. no one listens no to this anyway. This is not a podcast for adults. <laughs> this is a fake radio show. This is being hosted by a moron. Yeah, this is and an idiot. <laughs> this is me and you with like a, a tape deck and a radio. You know? <laughs> the old Yamaha four track. Yeah. yeah, but no the the. <laughs> The idea that you would be, you're, you're, you're a real guy is what I'm trying to get across. And that you have interests and in things that are very divergent and very, uh, that reflect in your music, the sort of stuff that you play. Cause you've got kind of an earnest delivery of mm. funny themes and sometimes a funny delivery of very earnest themes, which I think is like, yeah. kind of cool. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's accurate. Um, of course it is. I'm the host. That's a good point. Anything yeah. Don't like forget that. that. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Please continue. Uh, I am definitely a very silly human and often irreverent. Um, and yet at the same time, I, I feel things deeply. Yes. And um, that's the thing also with like just talking about the children's music. I'm so comfortable when I do the music with the kids. Um I just, I feel like I'm in my element and I just enjoy the energy of it and we feed off each other. And, and cause it's not just the kids, but it's also, you know, their parents right. or grandparents or some caretaker that are, that's with them. And it's, it's just a very natural, easeful thing for me. But when I am doing my, you know, my more uh, vulnerable, heavier stuff and going back to that earlier part of the conversation that we transcend and transform pain into something beautiful not that yeah actually i think that's some beautiful sure. stuff uh it yeah i it's not nearly as comfortable of course right you know um and uh yeah it's it's just a whole different animal when i'm doing my more grown-up themes yeah yeah and and so yeah just kind of going what you were saying like i've got a very very silly playful side which i yeah. think is is dominant and probably most people know that side of me. Sure. Um, but then there's the whole other side where, you know, uh, as I'm sure you have, like, 
it's been really important for me to explore my darkness. Do yeah. Some, do some shadow work and shadow work. Just really. Um, oh, I like the term. It sounds like something somebody came up with out here. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a pretentious boulder term. No, no, it no, probably no, is. not pretentious, but like yeah. I didn't come up with it. <laughs> it's a good theme. It's a good. It's a good idea. That's the whole idea. The, the blind spot work is the same type of thing, but just yeah. not and not as necessarily painful. To can explore. be. Can be. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've got actually a song, "Mad Shadow." I don't know if you've ever heard it. No, I that one's more of a deal. I don't want to hear it. We have a deal. <laughs> don't want to hear it. I Remember hear that time you, we made a deal that you never wanted to hear my music yeah yeah i'll support your music 100 percent, provided i never get to hear it that seems reasonable yeah it's fair yeah, yeah i think that's how most people feel about it i mean that's the deal that's that's the only reason this podcast is successful because many people have promised never to listen to your music or mine many thousands many many thousands <laughs> thousands of people have thousands of people, like a, never the greatest not purposely not following list i would argue that it's close to eight billion it's got to be close to eight billion <laughs> at this point. Yeah, and the you know the unborn ifs to come will just oh, okay. I mean, exponentially make countless. that figure grow. <laughs> You'll never be able to count even in an AI. I couldn't count that high. The number of people. <laughs> Sorry, shadow, mad shadow. Sorry. Oh no, it, uh, this one goes way back into my heavy LSD days. Mm. Um, at one point where, you know, I, I was you know I felt that I was uh, just walking on this tightrope and could very easily just fall off and descend into madness as so many people in my life mm -hmm. over the years have fallen into and have really never fully returned right you know, like this they're just their minds are lost they're gone yeah um and so i was just kind of almost like holding the the long mm -hmm. bar on the tightrope and on one side was my light and i think that's kind of one of the things that psychedelics at least has done for me is it you know, it brings it all to the surface, sure. you know, and exposes the greatest of ourselves and the worst of ourselves mm -hmm. and really brings it all up and you get to see it. And for good or ill, that's right. For good or ill, you're anyway, looking so that, right at So that, that yeah. particular song speaks to almost, it felt, and this is the lyrics of the song, but that I was being hunted mm. by some unknown darkness, which was me. Yeah. That I couldn't recognize. Interesting. And so in writing that song, it was somewhat cathartic and also revealing as, as I would sing it and play it, it took on new form like every time. It still does where I just, it gives me pause for consideration of yeah. blind spots and darkness and aspects of myself, fear that I'm not in touch with and so many other yeah. things. Well, a guy that we both both like, Mark Marin. Yeah. I heard him recently talking to um, Lou Reed's wife, oh. uh, the late Lou Reed's wife. Yeah who was like a big Tai Chi guy. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. And uh, she asked him like, what, what is somehow, like, what do you got? What do you, what are you working with Mark Marin? And he said it in a way that immediately made sense to me. He said, dark empathy. Mm. Uh, he has a dark empathy. And I, that immediately made a hundred percent sense to me. It's like, Oh, mm. I know what that is. Yeah. I know exactly what that is. And, mm -hmm. um, I've talked about this a lot with a lot of friends of mine, but the idea that empathy is our is the best use of our imagination possible. Hmm, I like that. To to look at like to imagine what it would be like to be you, to put yourself in someone else's shoes is very much using your imagination. And uh like what a great way to put that to use, you know. So dark empathy then being uh, efforting to experience 
the the darkness, the, the pain, challenge, the, the pain of someone else's. Yeah. Instead of and it's informed by your own, yeah. and that you can see, you know, yeah. all the things you can feel it in someone else. You can yeah. interpret it in ways that it's that is useful and or kind or helpful, whatever you know. It, it made a it made an impact on me hearing that phrase. Like, oh yeah, that I know. I think I know what that is. I know what it means to me anyway. You just bring to mind um, again, tying back to this conversation. There's there's the thread here of humans being able to turn pain into something beautiful, and yeah. dark empathy is another aspect. Yeah, that, you know, just that you can connect with someone in their darkness in a way that maybe adds some levity, create something light. Yeah, create something, something po- yeah, beautiful, positive. if nothing other than. Um, I, you know, sh- maybe even sharing a little bit of that load. Or I saw, someone. I saw my pain in you. Yeah. I know that pain. Yeah. Wow. That must, I'm sorry that I know. Yeah. I can hold that space. Right. Yeah, I know you. how that hurts, you know, or yeah. whatever that, whatever that is, however you yeah. come to it. I don't know how we got here from Elvis, but I'm glad we're there. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And donuts and I'm uh, covered a lot of ground here. I love you, man. I love you very much, and I'm, I'm very glad to have um, to be in your life hmm. and to I don't know have you as like a a friend and someone I can like have these kind of conversations with. But like I don't know to see that your daughter's grown up and is awesome, and you're like you're a good dad. Thank you. And I sure try. Yeah, man, you, you're a good you're a good person. Thank Brent you. Magnitz. Thank you. And I, I appreciate feel, you. Man. Feel the same way about. You. Does that mean that we've come to an end? That's that's the nicest way I can say. Could you please, please shut the fuck stop up? Stop talking. Like, as a, friend, a, friend, as, you, as a guy who just you, said friend. he loves you. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you too, Andrew. I'm, I, uh, I've said this before. Uh, you know, the wealth in my life, and I realize it's cheesy and generic and cliche, but like, I have an extraordinary wealth between my family and friends, of which I hold you in such high regard and uh yeah man what a what a gift to be on this journey yeah right um it's crazy with each other and cheers man yeah cheers are you lonesome tonight do you miss me tonight are you sorry we drifted Does your memory stray to a bright summer day when I kissed you and called you sweetheart? Do the chairs in your parlor seem empty and bare? Do you gaze at your ball head? And wish you had hair Is your heart filled with pain Shall I come back? <laughs> Tell me, dear Are you lonesome? <laughs> oh, Lord, Lord I wonder <laughs> You know, someone said the world's a stage, and each must play a part. <laughs> Act- <laughs> oh, God.
<laughs> and I had no cause to die. <laughs> oh. Sing it, baby. <laughs> Shall I come back again? Tell me, dear, are you lonesome? <laughs> Is your heart filled with pain? Shall I come back again? Tell me, dear, are you lonesome tonight? That's it, man. 14 years right down the drain, boy, I'll tell you. <laughs> Fourteen years, just shot right there, man. I tell you, <laughs> in Houston, right?